Welcome back. This is the Confident Collective Podcast, and we are your hosts. I'm Rayanne. And I'm Christina. We are curb models, content creators, and some would even say comedians. We started the Confident Collective Podcast to help you live your most confident life by sharing our stories and sitting down with experts to talk about, well, life. We chat sex, dating, business, relationships, and so much more. We hope you love this episode, so let's get into it. Oh my freaking goodness, I moved. I'm finally a New Jersey resident. Well, not really because I'm technically living out of my parents' house right now, but it's happening. Like there's so many changes going on. So excited to catch you up. Unfortunately, today is a solo episode with just me because our girl Ray is so bloody sick not bloody. I feel like that sounds wrong, right? Like she's not bleeding or anything. She's just sick, okay? She's got a fever. She went to Vegas, had the time of her life, obviously partied too hard, and now is out, out cold. So today it's me. So I figured let's catch you up on everything going on in my life, all the changes, the move, the ridiculous logistics of it all. And then we are going to do a little relationship ask away because I always get so many questions about relationships and I am no expert. However, I have been in a pretty successful relationship for 13 years. 13 years? That is so crazy. That is so long, right? That's like almost half of my life. What the heck? Okay. Anyways, I've been in a long-term relationship for a long time. So we'll do a little relationship ask away. And let's just get into it. So first of all, how am I feeling? I'm not going to lie to you. I have been so anxious. I would say for the past couple weeks, I've never experienced anxiety like this. Like, I think there's just been so many moving pieces. I think trying to figure out all the the logistics of moving made me anxious. Trying to figure out all the logistics of getting our house ready and up to date, trying to like figure out schools for the kids, meet new friends. Actually, I haven't even tried that yet. But you know, like all the things that are in the back of my mind. And then having to say goodbye to people have made me anxious, have made me sad. And I think I've had to sit in those feelings a little bit more. And since we aren't fully moved in yet and getting started with our new life, I've just been in this like crazy limbo still that just feels weird. You know what I mean? It's taking some time to set in, but I'm starting to get excited. The house is coming together more and more and more. We're finally getting paint on the walls. It is crazy when they say that when you get a new house, because people are like, oh my gosh, Once you buy a house, like you realize all the things that you have to do, like home ownership is no joke. But I got to tell you, getting the keys to this house was such an incredible feeling. It was such an incredible feeling. I feel like this was like years and years in the making. (laughs) We got the keys. We signed all of the paperwork. There was like a thousand pieces of paper. And then we went out for a martini, of course, a dirty martini, extra olives, and just celebrated and then Steve and I just like walked through our house by ourselves like for the first time ever and it was such a rewarding feeling I feel like for the longest time I've had almost this limiting belief that like I can't do this I don't know why I felt like that I honestly think I felt like owning a house and like owning my own house to live in like not flipping a house like we have in the past just felt like such a an adult thing to do and I'm still a teen mom, okay? Over, I still, for some reason, feel like I'm 20 years old, 15 years old. I don't know. But we did it, and it felt so amazing. And honestly, I just am experiencing this intense sense of gratitude for my family, for this new chapter. The fact that like I had to go to L.A. last week and 
leave my parents with my kids and not have to worry about it at all was just such a good feeling. It was such a good feeling. So anyways, I guess if you're ever questioning moving back home, (laughs) this is your sign that it's okay to do so. It feels really, really good. I'm not going to lie. Logistically though, the move wasn't that bad because we had packers pack everything for us, right? Now I'm, I've never experienced this before. And I can be a little bit of a control freak. So I'm like, how am I going to let someone come into my home and pack up my life? Ray was like, you need to just do it. You need to just do it. I was like, okay, you're right. I got to just do it. So they literally came in. It was supposed to take two days. It only took one. They came in with like 10 guys into our apartment. And they pretty much go around your entire place and they say, what do you want to keep? What do you what do you want us to pack? What don't you want us to pack? So in every room, I was like, don't touch this stuff on the counter. Don't touch this over here on this chair, blah, 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 blah. Everything else they pack and they have people in each room so they label everything like oh box one goes to kitchen box two goes to kitchen I think we had like 260 boxes which is so crazy they are so efficient at packing that my mother-in-law came over and she came over to pick up the kids and say goodbye or not say goodbye she came over my mother-in-law came over that day when we were packing up to take the kids to stay at her place that day so that way they weren't in there while we were all packing she brought meatballs with her Mother-in-law, my Italian mother-in-law makes the best meatballs, okay? So she put them on the counter. We're like getting everything together. She takes the kids with her. Maybe it's like an hour later and we're getting ready to, to eat something. And I was like, oh, Steve, do you want some of your mom's meatballs? And he's like, yeah. So I look in the refrigerator. The meatballs aren't there. Looking around the kitchen, where are the meatballs? You guys. The... I can't even say this out loud without cracking up. The movers packed the meatballs. They packed the meatballs. I'm not getting my stuff for like two weeks, two and a half weeks. And they packed the meatballs in our stuff. Like what? I just can't even believe it. Steve, I honestly think like Steve almost cried. He was like, but I really wanted my mom's meatballs for dinner. I'm like, Steve, like we're not getting the meatballs. They're on the freaking moving truck. We asked the movers, they're like, sorry, we don't know which, which box they were in. I was like, can't we smell them? They're like, I don't know, maybe we didn't put them in. I think they just didn't want to open up the boxes. The meatballs are coming from L.A. to New Jersey two and a half weeks later. I feel like, do I need to contact the government, like the environmentalists? Like, is this going to be a biohazard? Because what the heck is this truck going to smell like? What are these meatballs going to look like? I am terrified. I'm like, do I, am I going to have to get rid of everything? Like, what happens to food that's been sitting in a timer for two and a half weeks. I just can't. I just, I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous for what this is going to look like. I'm so nervous that they're going to open up the truck and be like, whoa. Like, it's just going to hit us like a ton of bricks, you know? So stay tuned. Like, if you see me on the news because of this biohazard chemical issue that I might have caused from these meatballs being packed and transported across the country... Yeah, that was me. It's a true story, okay? I just don't know. I'm like a little bit freaking out. I'm freaking out. Is my place going to smell like marinara sauce? Is it going to smell like dead cow? Oh, my gosh. How did they pack the meatballs? How did they pack the meatballs? It is so ridiculous. The meatballs were a breaking point for us because I think it was like all of our emotions bottled up. We were like tearing over these meatballs, and I think it just all manifested into them. 
It's okay. It's okay. We're, our stuff is going to get here in a couple weeks, and stay tuned. I'm, I'm going to post a photo for you guys, okay, because it's going to be ridiculous. We ended up flying here, all of us. Flight was a breeze, honestly. Like, the kids are amazing. I highly recommend if you're flying with kids from West Coast to East Coast, take the red eye. They sleep the whole way through, knock on wood. You won't get any sleep, but at least you won't have to worry about entertaining your kids, you know? And then I had to fly back to L.A. last weekend for – Hello Sunshine's Shine Away 23 event, which was so much fun. I love a girl boss moment. I love panels. I love learning from experts. And it was so fun. Reese Witherspoon was there, Jennifer Garner, Mindy Kaling, along with so many other influencers. And someone, and my friend Lizzie Mathis was there, which is what I am so obsessed with because I had a conversation with her. She was like, how's the move going? How's everything? I can't believe you did it. I was like, I know. I was telling her all about it. And Lizzie's super cool. She is the founder of the Cool Mom Co. She also has the Cool Mom Code podcast. And she's the co-host of Honest Renovations with Jessica Alba on Roku. Like, she's just she's just a cool girl. Like, I, I look up to her a lot. Like, she has three kids. She's an influencer, a business owner. She's just smart. You know what I mean? She was asking me about the move, and I was telling her all about it. And she was like, girl, she's like, what's going on? She's like, I feel like there's some resistance here. She's like, you've made this decision. You've made it. Like, there's no going back and forth now, right? It's not like LA, New Jersey, LA, New Jersey. No, you've made the decision. You decided to do it. Your stuff is on a truck. Your kids are there. You bought a house. Accept it. It's done. Own it. Settle into it. Get excited about it. And it was so weird how she was able to sense that about me, to sense almost this resistance I still had. I don't know why. Maybe it was just like the fear because change is freaking scary. So maybe it's like the fear of the change, fear of the unknown. And honestly, probably this like never ending limbo I've been in about like what's the best thing for me? Am I making the right decision? I think has still made me feel like resistant to the move a little bit. So hearing her call me out, honestly, call me out on this and telling me to settle in on it was such a eye-opening thing that I've, I'm not even kidding you. Like I've been so obsessed with that. I've been thinking about it every single day. And I think that like, honestly, we all low-key have some, in, some low-grade anxiety like we're all, because of social media, probably wondering like what else is out there, questioning every decision we make, refusing to accept or settle into our lives, like whether it's a move, whether it's a new job, whether it's a new relationship, like we're always like questioning. We're always a little bit anxious about, you can't succeed if you're not settling. Do you know what I mean? So for me, what does that look like? That looks like exploring my neighborhood. I realized that like, yeah, we bought this house, but like I actually don't really know that much about the neighborhood. For me, that's like shopping around, going to new restaurants, going to new stores, going to new shopping plazas. Like I need to know my area. Like in LA, like I had all my local spots. What are my local spots here? I need to settle into that. I need to figure it out. That's also me trying to become a part of the community. I've been looking up community events. I'm like, oh, what do the local parks have going on? I've been trying to figure out new schools for my kids. Like I've been trying to actively immerse myself as much as I can and try and settle into my community. I've also started reaching out to people that I know from like high school, college, just like business friends of mine be like, hey, like I'm here, like let's get together, let's get lunch, let's get coffee, like let's plan something. Um, because I feel like for me having, being able to be like, yes, 
I'm actually a New Jersey suburban mom now. And like, wait, that's cool. That's my life now. I'm not embarrassed by it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm going to be like the coolest freaking suburban mom you've ever seen and kind of own that new title has been really refreshing. And I, I don't think I've kind of owned it yet. And maybe because I'm not settled into the house yet, maybe we are, because we haven't moved in. But I feel like I have to say it out loud. I have to say it out loud and own it and accept it and settle. So I'm really, really excited for that. And yeah, this is just your reminder to settle into whatever it is that you're doing to accept where you are right now. Should we get into some relationship talk? I honestly was thinking, I was like, shit, I should have had Steve on for this episode. But Steve has been hardcore at the house every single day, making sure things get done. So unfortunately, he couldn't come to the city with me and do this podcast. Okay, so let's get into it. Oh, this is a good one. Christina, how do I stop micromanaging my partner? I really don't want to be like this, but I can't stop. It's a never-ending cycle of me getting mad at him for not doing something and then him getting mad at me for telling him what to do. Help! Wait a minute. I feel like probably every woman in a relationship can relate to this. And oh my gosh, I had a realization a while back that I was a micromanager in my relationship. And it honestly took so much reflection for me to admit it. And to admit that I was a control freak because I did not want to be like that. I was looking at myself in my relationship. I was like, what the heck is wrong with you? Like if you had a mirror and you were looking at your relationship from an outside perspective, you would not like the way you looked. You would not like the way you sound. You would not like the way it sounds when you talk to your husband. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it's kind of hard to admit that to yourself, honestly, but I had to do it. I think the reason I admitted it to myself, I was like... If Steve and I had a reality show, who would people like better? And I was like, I think people would like Steve better. And I was like, hell no. Like, no way. I'm the main character here, okay? So anyways, it took me imagining my own reality show, which is like a really weird roundabout way to reflect on your life. But that's the honest truth. And I started thinking about it. I was like, why am I a micromanager? Why am I like this? And how do I stop? I think the first thing that you need to do is to think about the way you're communicating things. For me, I'm not a very good communicator when it comes to my husband. Most of the time, I want him to read my mind. And if he's not reading my mind, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I also expect my husband to move at my own pace. And I am someone who is like the energizer bunny. I can go, 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 go. I can do 10 things at once. And... I'm just moving around my place like a Tasmanian devil in good ways and bad ways. But for me to see my husband doing one thing at a time sometimes, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. But the thing is that we all do things differently. And I think that we have to learn to accept our partners and the way they move, the way they do things, and stop expecting them to be exactly like us. You would not want to date yourself. You would not want to marry yourself, correct? No. You want someone who's going to be the yang to your yang, not a mirror image. So one, acknowledge that. Acknowledge how you do things, how they do things, so you can understand that there's a separation there and that is okay. Two, practice how you communicate. Like I said, they cannot read your mind. So for me, like half the times when I'm telling Steve to do something, I'm speaking so quickly and I'm like not including all the details. So an example of this would be like, like, let's say, for instance, like you're talking about booking a vacation. I think this is a perfect example because I get really upset sometimes that Steve does not 
book vacations for us. Like I am for sure the one who like handles that task. Again, I'm the one who always wants to go away all the time. I'm the one who has a certain taste. The holidays are coming up so quickly and whether you're shopping for yourself or for someone else in your life, you want to try and save as much money as possible, right? Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop because you can stack holiday sales on top of cash back to maximize your savings. There's over 3,700 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, electronics, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. And you can shop through Rakuten for everyone on your gift list this holiday season. Earn cash back on clothing and shoes for the fashionista in your life, toys and games for your kids, electronics for the tech connoisseur, and kitchen or home essentials for the ultimate host or hostess in your life. You're already shopping, so why not try and get some cash back? For me, I'm currently trying to furnish my home, so you know I'm all over Rakuten to find my favorite brands. Some brands on Rakuten that I love are Sephora, and even Marcus, and Samsung, like for instance, a cashback on a frame TV, uh, yes, please. There's also Ugg, Nike, Saks Fifth Avenue, Macy's, and so much more. Membership is free and it's easy to sign up. So start all your shopping trips at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cash back really adds up. Happy shopping. One way to start letting go of micromanagement is by delegating tasks to your partner and allowing them to take the lead. This is super important. If you're going to delegate something to them and you want them to do it, you have to actually allow them to do it. You have to allow them to do it and you have to allow them to do it in their own way. If you're asking them to wash the dishes and they're like, yeah, of course, I'm going to get to it. Let them get to it when they want to get to it. Obviously not if it's like a week later, like that's a problem. But it doesn't need to be done right that second, right? Like let them do things how they want to do it. I feel like in relationships, we all have our strengths and weaknesses, right? Like for example, right now we are renoing a house. We're getting things ready. That is not my forte. Steve is much better in this arena. So I'm just letting go of all control. I have my design input, but I am not worrying about how the floors are taken out or how things are painted. No, I am just trusting that he can do it because I've delegated a task to him. He already knows he's taking care of all the house stuff. I'm worrying about the kids stuff. I'm worrying about the schools. He's worrying about the painting, the fencing, the landscaping. That is his forte. And when you start delegating things in your relationship, you have certain tasks, they have certain tasks and things start getting done, this helps build trust and confidence in your abilities and helps build trust and confidence in your partner so you can sit back and trust that they'll do it and just observe versus micromanaging. I also think it's really important to have great communication and to vocalize what you want. So for me, something that I used to micromanage and be like really annoyed about is planning trips. Now, I love to go on vacation. I love to go on vacation way more than Steve. So for me, it's always like me initiating trips because for him, like he'd be happy with like a trip once a year. Mm, I, I need more than that. I need more than that. And he used to plan a lot more trips than he does now. And I like got really upset. I was like, you don't plan these trips for us anymore. I don't understand why you like this. He's like, Christina, you micromanage every single thing I do. He's like, you micromanage the trip. He's like, I, I feel like I can't book these flights without you – Googling, are there better flights to book? Or I, I can't like confidently choose a hotel because I always have to worry, is like this hotel good enough for you? As he was saying that, at first I was like, oh my gosh, that's so not true. That's so annoying. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, he's absolutely right. 
Like if he was like, let's go to Italy. We're going to go to Florence. I found this hotel and these are the dates. I know that I probably would end up looking at other hotels to be like, oh, wait, is that the best hotel option? I don't know. I hate that about myself. I'm like, why would I have to do that? And what I started to realize is because I am not communicating what I want. So I feel like in this scenario, right, like if you're, you want your partner to like take a task like booking a trip and you don't want that on your plate, but you do have specific things in mind. Like for instance, you only want to take red eye or you only want to t- fly during the day. You need to tell them what you expect out of your flight. You want a nonstop trip. Okay, tell them that. So as they are booking these things, they know exactly what you want so they can book accordingly. That communication is so absolutely necessary because then if you communicated everything that you want properly, then you're just delegating and letting them do it. And then you could trust that they've done it because you've already vocalized everything you want. You just cannot expect them to read your mind. So I feel like the biggest takeaways from micromanaging your partner are one, communication, vocalizing every single thing that you need and want, two, delegating. Once you each have your own separate things that you're doing and delegating on, life becomes so much easier because you have like clear paths. There's clear things that you each have to do. So if something doesn't get done, someone knows who is responsible for that. And most importantly, while you're having these conversations, it's all about how you address things and how you talk to your partner about them. It is so easy to come from like such a condescending sort of tone versus a partnership sort of tone. There's a very big difference between like, I feel like you're not doing enough or you're not doing this right. And I feel like our house can like flow better. So like, let's just break apart certain things that need to get done and I'll take some and you take some. Which ones do you feel better at doing? Because I think my strengths are better here. Like that's a very, that's a very different tone than like, I'm cooking all the time. So I need you to do this. You know, you'll be so much happier if you don't have to micromanage as long as you trust and are confident in your partner and that trust and confidence will build by delegating and communicating. Number two, how do you address intimacy shortcomings on topics? We just moved in together and my boyfriend is busy with school and work and timing is never really on our side. I thought living together would boost our sex life, but currently that isn't the case. I'm aware sex lives fluctuate and are situational, but we have sex about once a week, which is great, but almost makes me feel sexually distant because that's not our normal before these big transitioning moments. I also want to know how to address intimacy shortcomings, meaning there's really no foreplay happening, etc. And I want to elongate the experience, whereas my boyfriend is just excited to have sex. I certainly don't want to come from a side of being blameful. Is that a word? but would love it to be actionable, if that makes sense. I'm dying that you actually thought moving in together would improve your sex life. I feel like when you're not living together, when you're not seeing each other as much, like the chemistry is just so much more exciting. Like you want to have sex all the time because you're not able to have sex all the time. Does that make sense? Anyways, sex once a week is fine. I feel like I know friends. There's a lot of people who look at sex once a week as a goal. So first of all, count your blessings there. Two, I think the most important thing in this is to obviously communicate these with your partner. Talking about sex is so freaking weird. I don't know why we feel so uncomfortable talking about sex with our partners. Honestly, talking about sex with anyone, but especially our partners who like we sleep in bed with, we shouldn't feel awkward about it, but we do. I don't understand why. I think the number one thing to do is when you address this is pick the right timing, right? You don't want to have these conversations like when you're about to have sex because I feel like 
that could just make things awkward. That just puts like more pressure on the situation. I think it could honestly be like over brunch. Over brunch. You're eating breakfast together. You're having dinner together. And it's not like, oh, we don't have enough sex anymore. I think it's just casually bringing up sex and talking about like what you like or maybe you're putting on like a sexy movie or a sexy show or you're talking about a couple who you think has great sex, whatever it is. I think talking about sex when you're not in the bedroom is number one. Two, when you are talking about sex, you have to use I versus you. So it's not like you don't want to like, you're not doing any foreplay. You don't want foreplay. It's like, I love making out with you. Like, I want to elongate this longer. I love when you go down on me. Can you do that more? You want to hide them up and you want to make it about what you want versus what they're not doing. Does that make sense? I also think that you need to be super vocal and encouraging about things that they do that you love. This means like if they touch you a certain way, if they look at you a certain way, if they comment on you a certain way, you're hyping that up. You're like, oh my gosh, I love when you do that. They're going down on you and be like, you're so good at this. I freaking love this. I think whatever it is, if there's a certain position. So I think just being super vocal about like what you love and asking for what you want. If if there's like, if you're kind of like in a sex rut and it's just a routine, you are you have to be the one to suggest switching things up, right? Like, cause they can't read your mind. For them, honestly, maybe they're just exhausted and they want to go to bed, but like, they're like, okay, let's just have sex quickly and go to bed. no. Maybe they're just used to that because that's always happens. Got to change the plan around. Start earlier. Wake them up with a blowjob. Maybe you're not waiting to have sex at the end of the day. Maybe you're waking them up in the morning with a little blowjob, okay? I don't know. Whatever it is that you enjoy doing, whatever it is to get you in the mood to initiate things, to start things differently, I think is really important. Like you can't keep doing the same things and expecting different results. I also think when it comes to foreplay, and we had Dr. Viviana on the podcast. We talked a lot about this. She was like, what are you doing? Like, set the scene. She always talked about, like, lighting a candle. Maybe you don't like candles. Maybe putting on a playlist. Maybe you're getting ready for bed and you're lighting a candle and putting on a playlist. Maybe you're going to take a shower and you're like, hey, do you want to join me? Something that you don't normally do, but now you're initiating those conversations. Okay, this is the last question, you guys. Should I have a second kid? I want a sibling for my child and I've always imagined multiple kids, but A, I finally feel like I'm getting myself back and I don't want to lose myself. B, I'm scared of the financials. And C, I really don't know if my relationship can handle it. Well, very quickly, A and B, I totally understand that feeling of finally getting yourself back and being scared of losing yourself again. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It took me 13 months to feel like uh, myself again after having Nicholas. And I still don't really feel like myself after having Christian and it's been nine months. However, I'm obsessed with having two kids. I love having siblings. It was the best decision hands down I have made. I just love it. Like seeing them interact with each other is the most rewarding thing. It is so fun. I don't feel like it's exponentially harder at all. I feel like you're, yeah, it's difficult. Like it's difficult being in two places at once, dealing with two kids at once is challenging, but you're already in mom mode. You're already in kid mode. It's just a little bit harder, okay? It's not that much harder. It doesn't feel like you're starting all over again. Two, financials. I don't know what your financial situation is, but I sometimes just think we are just fed this like 
huge load of crap that we need all these things to have a baby, that babies are so expensive, this and that. Yeah, kids are expensive and they only get more expensive as you go through life. But you do not need a $1,500 stroller. You do not need a $2,000 bassinet. You do not need all of these things. So obviously take a look at your financials and your financials over the year. But like even for us, like one of the reasons we moved out out of LA into New Jersey is like, do I want to spend like $50,000 a year to send my kids to private school? Absolutely freaking not. No, we moved to a neighborhood that we can have a nice home and send our kids to public school, which is free. I mean, not really because you pay taxes, but you know what I mean. There's things that you can do financially to set yourself up with your family. I don't know if that's a reason not to have kids, but that's just my perspective. I don't know what's going on in your life. C, I don't really know if my relationship can handle it. I'm not even kidding you. At Hello Sunshine this weekend, I spoke to so many women and they're like, oh, you have two kids? And I was like, yeah, blah, 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 talking about it. And I was like, how many kids do you have? And they said one. And I was like, oh, do you want to have another one? And I would say it was at least three people, three out of probably like five that said, oh, my relationship can handle it. We do not talk enough about how much kids put such a strain on your relationship. This is not to scare anyone who doesn't have kids and want them. It is just the facts. It is just real life. I've talked a lot about it on this podcast, but even still, I don't even think I talked about it enough because it's like weird to talk about your relationship issues in that way. And it's also hard to figure out when you love your partner so much. And at times, like having kids brings you so much closer that when you feel so distant at the same time, you're like, what the heck is going on here? I think the number one thing is your lifestyle changes so rapidly that neither of you are ready for it. Two, think about how moody you are when you don't get a good night's sleep. Now, imagine this for months and months and months and years sometimes, like in my case, um, and both you and your partner are struggling with this. I honestly really think the lack of sleep puts such a strain on you mentally, physically, and is a huge reason why we end up arguing with our partners. I also think that a lot of resentment builds up based on who's doing what chores, responsibilities, if one partner works, if the other partner doesn't. So I think these are just like a lot of learning curves and a lot of conversations to have with your partner ahead of time while you're going through it and afterwards to see how you can continue to work on the two of you. As someone who struggled in my relationship, I can tell you the second time around, we did not have all those same struggles. And I really just think it was like the learning curve, the stress that just put a strain on us. And I feel like once you stop looking at your partner as like, oh, they did this, they did that, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, and look at you guys as a team, it can change so much. But listen to me, it is not for the week. It really isn't. You're not the only one that feels like that. So many people do. I really think you just have to talk to your partner about everything, about all of your concerns, about how you guys can work together more efficiently because otherwise resentment will just build up and none of us want that. Another way I think I've handled these situations is by actively doing things as a family. I love my family time so much. I'm always trying to plan things. I'm always trying to go out and do things. Like for instance, the holidays are coming up. Going ice skating, skiing, walks around the neighborhoods, whatever it is, exploring like a new city nearby. I think being able to spend time with your partner as a family unit 
helps bring you guys closer together because you're bonding, you're making these memories. You're also seeing them in action, right? So it's different when you're at home, maybe by yourself or like late at night, you're doing the bedtime routine and you're doing something and they're not. But when you're out and about doing stuff and you see your partner in dad mode, it just makes you, it just like makes you look at them in such a different lens that could be so rewarding and so, so beautiful. And then you're like, wait, why well, was like mad about that dirty dish before? I don't even know. So I think like actively doing things as a family is really important. I also think spending alone time is super important. And it's even more important when you have multiple kids because you just get so divided. And I think the difference is from having two kids is that when you have one kid, a lot of times with the kid, like you're doing everything together. You're doing the bedtime routine together. You're doing dinners together. When you have two kids, you guys get split up a lot. At least for Steve and I, it's been like that because I'm feeding Christian. Steve's putting Nichols to bed. You know, Steve's feeding Nicholas, like whatever it is, like we're we're both getting pulled in two different directions because it's like, okay, you got this kid, I got this kid. So then at the end of the night, in a weird way, because you're separately doing things with both kids, you kind of come together and you're like, oh, we made it. We made it. We did it. And I honestly feel like having two and doing that juggle where you each have like your own different responsibilities and then coming together, it makes it a little bit easier. But yes, you're not alone. So many people struggle with this. Honestly, like everything else in relationships, I honestly think the most important thing is about communication, respect, and learning to work together as a partner versus seeing your partner as your enemy or as like someone who, I know enemy sounds strong, but I feel like a lot of times people do see their partner as that. I feel like a lot of times people don't see their partner as a partner and they don't look at their relationship as a partnership. And I think once you start really paying attention to the partnership that you're building together and how you guys can work more efficiently together, how you can work better together, how you can make each other happier together, and it's coming at it from like, instead of a me, 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 it's like we, we, we. I think having that we conversation, how do we build each other up, um, I think just helps build a stronger relationship. Okay, this is the last one for real. I've been in a relationship for nearly 10 years. Some years are harder than others, and this one has been challenging for us. We're both going through our Saturn return and learning a lot about ourselves individually and being challenged at work and life, etc. We've been more intentional about spending time together, just the two of us, but curious what you all think helps you get through harder times in a loving relationship and how you keep learning about a partner when you've been together for so long. Thank you. Wait a minute, I'm dying that you both know you're going through your Saturn return. And now I'm like, do, am I going through a Saturn return? Is Steve going through a Saturn return? How do I figure that out? I'm very, very curious. I feel like I should know that. I will say as someone who has been in a 13-year relationship, which to me feels really long, but I guess in the grand scheme of like life partners, maybe it's not that long. I think the best way to continue to learn about someone else is by doing things together. I think by winning a volleyball league together, by traveling together, by having kids together, by moving together, whatever it is, I think by experiencing life moments together helps you learn to love them in a different way and helps you learn about them. Like for instance, if you're travel city with your partner, you choose some things that you want to do and let them do some research and choose some things that they want to do. It'll be cool to see what they're interested in. I don't know about you, but like I know for me, like if I were going 
to Rome. I don't know. I have like 10 things on my mind I want to do. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, what does Steve want to do? If he's like, what if he wants to go to like a sword museum? What if he wants to see the gladiator's ancient armor? I honestly have no interest in that. But if that's something he's super interested in, okay, you lead the way. Like, I want to know something that you're interested in. I want to learn more about you. And I feel like we're so quick to make things about ourselves. I think by letting your partner take the lead in certain scenarios, you'll actually be really surprised that you will learn a lot more about them. I also think choosing to do an activity together could be really, really great. Whether it's playing a sport together, whether it's like taking an art class, whether it is just honestly like going for a hike or walks around the neighborhood, but having them choose a new area, I think is really great because once you let them take a control of a situation, you'll learn more about them through the actions that they take and through the desires that they have and what they want to do. If you think about it, we all change so much throughout our lives. So for me, I am not the same person I was when Steve met me 13 years ago. I'm still getting to know the new me. So as I'm getting to know the new me, I want my person, my partner to get to know the new me. And I think that's how we have to look at our long-term relationships. We're always constantly changing. We're always evolving. And our partners are there for the ride. So make sure they know the new you as well. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. I hope these relationship tips helped a little bit. Remember, relationships are work. Honestly, a successful relationship takes a long time, a lot of work, a lot of getting to know each other over and over again, and a lot of patience. And if you ever have any other relationship questions, make sure to DM me, send them in, and I'll do my best to try and give you my my advice. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes on our website, theconfidentcollective.com and find us on Instagram at Confident Collective. And if you really loved what you heard, screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us.